the, the pressure of being in sales is tremendous because think about it, it's the organization's lifeblood. I'm a big believer in a, the concept of a revenue team. And a revenue team is made up of the heads of marketing, sales, and delivery. And that's where a lot of sales leaders go wrong. Friend comes second, leader comes first, not manager, not boss, leader. From the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. So what superpower would you like to bring to this particular episode? My superpower is helping small and medium-sized businesses grow, increase revenue, operationalize sales, build an actual sales playbook, help those companies implement the playbook, and then make sure that their sales teams are accountable when they're executing the process within the playbook. So in, in a phrase, my superpower is operationalizing sales to grow revenues. In terms of sales, so I'm surrounded by many salespeople in the organization that I work for. And mm-hmm. I really feel for salespeople because often they've got really challenging targets. There's always a lot of pressure to deliver. And yeah. I don't know how they do it because I personally could never work in sales to that extent. I do a bit of pre-sales work and I support them in terms of some of the deals that we work on. But in terms of having those targets on your head can be overwhelming at the very least. Yeah. What are some tips that you can give salespeople in terms of just dealing with those numbers or those targets? Because there is a lot of stress sometimes on you. There is, Patty. It's hard. You know, the, the pressure of being in sales is tremendous because think about it, it's the organization's lifeblood, right? You know, if you don't have people selling stuff, your stuff, you're not going to, you're not going to be a viable business. You're not going to be able to stay afloat. And yeah, the, the pressure can get, can get overwhelming because we do have quotas and sales goals and, you know, our own families to feed. I think the the thing that I've seen help me and help other salespeople the most is organization. You know, if you can keep your day and your week really well structured in terms of the activities that you have to complete, whether they're tasks for to-dos or calls or emails or prospecting or preparing proposals, if you can structure your week so that you never really get behind on that stuff, you will automatically be tracking towards your goal. As long as you have some sense of sales and business acumen and you can relate to people and are relatable, you should hit your sales goal. The the thing where I've seen most salespeople lose touch with that and get so stressed that they can't operate is because they get behind on everything. And that's overwhelming, you know, to have 50, 60, 70 tasks that are past due, whether they're follow-ups or whatever. And, and if you're not managing 
those activities and you're not managing your prospect list and the deals that are in your pipeline with some sort of tool, it's suffocating. And yeah, it's stressful. And that's where the, I guess, salespeople that have a little less fortitude, that's where they kind of wash out, right? Because they, they can't keep that organizational structure in place. So that's the key organization, because it allows you to stay on top of everything that you're responsible for and use a tool, use a CRM. I mean, if you don't have access to a CRM, use a spreadsheet, use a task pad, use a calendar, whatever it takes, stay structured, stay organized. And you mentioned you help with sales operations and process development. Yeah. Now, who might be working on that? Because is that something salespeople would come together and start to define themselves? Or are we looking at some of the more senior management kind of pulling this together? Could you just walk us through that process of how it should be done? Sure. It, It typically is senior management. You know, ideally your head of sales is equipped and experienced enough to develop that process and the strategy and is equipped to build a well-conceived sales playbook that he can then use to manage his people and their activities and the sales process and the methodology. I've found a lot of times with small and medium-sized businesses, though, the head of sales happens to be the best sales producer and got promoted to that job of management without having the experience or knowledge base to effectively lead a group and effectively put those plans in place. And where this leads me to is working with CEOs because they've recognized that their sales leader has been promoted because of performance versus because of capabilities. Now, performance comes into it, sure. You know, you want to be able to show your sales team that you've been there, you've done that, you've been successful. You also have to have intrinsic leadership skills if you're going to be a head of sales, right? So oftentimes, like I said, with these smaller companies, it's just the best salesperson is automatically the sales manager or the sales director. So I work very closely with CEOs to understand their target market, their ideal client profile, what's worked for them in the past, what hasn't worked for them in the past. And from a lot of research and assessments that I have my clients take and interviews that I conduct with their clients and with their employees, which sometimes is where a sales team can get involved when I'm doing those interviews. But it's really collaborating very closely with the CEO and other executive leaders and even with the sales leader. And if if they are open-minded enough to view somebody like me as an asset, as opposed to a threat to their job and to their livelihood, because that can be an issue, then the, the relationship really can blossom and the plan is even better, right? But to answer your question, it's leadership. CEO, typically, if there is a head of sales, that person will absolutely be involved. Marketing. Head of marketing is typically very much involved with what I do and delivery. You know, I'm a big believer in a, the concept of a revenue team and a revenue team is made up of the heads of marketing, sales, and delivery. Those three internal groups have to work very collaboratively for the successful growth of any business. 
So that's the team that I'm usually building these plans. Say if we're running a business, you and I, I'm going to pick a simple example. We're selling pens. That's our business. We're going to launch these super duper yes. pens and we're going to take over the BIC market because BIC pens are revolutionary. They've been around for years and years now. We're going to come in and we're going to be the, the right. kids on the block. What are some of the things that we should think about then as we're pulling together our strategy here? So what, what where would you start? First is who uses pens and why, mm -hmm. right? So the who will help us identify our target market, you know, and from there we have to identify the ideal client from that target market and, and why are they using pens? You know, what problem is the pen solving for them? What is it helping them do? Why aren't they using an alternative to a pen? Why aren't they using a pencil or a marker? Right? So, because we can't go in and say, here's this great pen. You should buy it because it writes really well. Every, every pen manufacturer is saying that. So we have to come in from a different angle and we have to understand why they're using a pen in the first place. Any pen. What is it about the pen that you love so much? What do you hate about the pencil? What do you hate about the market? What kind of pen do you like the most? What is that pen doing for you that other pens don't, that other writing implements can't? From there, we can build out the plan because we have to identify the stuff that the pen is solving for our target client first. From there, the process can flow very nicely. And how do we go about finding that out? Is that where we lean on our marketing colleagues or other colleagues? Yeah. Or do you recommend salespeople yeah. actually go out there and start to find out this stuff for themselves? I recommend both. I recommend that we absolutely have to lean on research. Um, so any, any primary or secondary research that our marketing team is doing or that we've done as CEOs or as sales leaders. And yes, the sales team. So oftentimes we look at the existing client base and what type of companies have been buying our pens. Why have they been buying our pens? What do they love about our pens? Why are they using them over pencils or other pens for that matter? That's part of the research. That's part of discovery and evaluation that we do at the very beginning of all of our engagements. And that helps put together what's called a sales mission. And the sales mission is a compass. It's a compass of any comprehensive sales strategy or sales plan. So we define our target industries, we define our ideal client, we define the buyer persona who's making the decisions, we craft our value proposition statements, phrases that aren't just about the features and benefits, but show why that the pen that we're selling is most optimal for their needs. They have to resonate with our buyers and we develop KPIs and sales goals. That's your sales mission. That's where everything has to start. And we do learn from existing salespeople because they've been out there on the front lines. So we can talk to them about their experiences. What are their common objections? Why do they lose deals? Why do they win deals? And we also do client interviews to learn from them. And that helps construct this whole concept of a sales mission and, and the why behind the pen. My brain was ticking then, Scott. So I think I've come up with our tagline for our company. Let's hear it. The pencil is sometimes right. That's why you need a rubber. But our pens are always right. That's why we can't rub them out. There we go. Yeah, let's see if that one works. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's better okay. taglines than that. But okay, no, that's really good to hear. So 
it's really about understanding the target market, getting as close to them as we can, really understanding their pain points. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to know your ideal client. You, you have to know what is meaningful to them. You have to peel back the onion. You know, it's not just that the pen writes really well and the one they've been using doesn't. It's beyond that. When you use a pen that writes really well, what, what are the second, third, and fourth degree implications of that, right? People can read well what you wrote them. It's easy to understand. There's no miscommunication. So it's, again, it's peeling back the layers of the onion on the pain. And the more you do that, the easier it is to sell the pen. You're actually not selling it. They're just buying it from you. I've got a couple of questions that come to mind. So in terms of then the strategy that we employ to now go out and start to sell, are there some standard strategies that you can suggest? So like, I'm just trying to think. So would we say, hey, let's really focus on new customer acquisition or we're going to actually just upsell to existing customers who are already buying, I don't know, rubbers from us. So now we're going to upsell some other product to them. Like what are some of the strategies right. that we could think about as a next step? Well, you actually said them, you know, you have to have a plan for new account acquisition and you have to have a plan for existing account growth, mm -hmm. right? And like with anything else, it's with new account acquisition, they have to be aware of who you are. You have to be considered as a viable solution and you have to be in the game when they're making a decision that's on the new side and so you build a sales plan around accomplishing those right and on the incremental side it's a very simple exercise of you know identifying your top underperforming accounts finding out why they're not buying more from you treating them just like you would a new account because you have to uncover pain or you have to uncover objectives and you have to relate to them more as a partner as opposed to a vendor and figure out what it's going to take to earn more of their business and you build a plan around that. So, and doing all of that, you know, isn't just a matter of sending an email once or twice. Or making a phone call and leaving a couple of messages. Got to be more comprehensive than that. It has to be multi-touch, multi-channel, and it has to involve content and subject matter expertise that's relevant to the buyer persona that we're trying to earn business from. And that's where also a lot of teams make mistakes. They make a couple of phone calls. Yeah, I reached out. They're not interested. Well, how do you know that? Well, because they didn't call me back. Well, how many times did you call? Twice. Did you leave a message? One time I did. So what's your follow-up plan? Oh, I don't have one. Well, no wonder you're not growing your business. You know, that's where operationalizing sales and putting process in place matters. And those processes, are they repeatable processes that others can then follow in the team? So you yeah. almost have like a template of actions that you recommend in different situations. Is that what we mean by the playbook? We do. That, that is exactly what we mean. It's, and, and I say it's repeatable. It's predictable. It's scalable and it's dynamic. And the dynamic part is where we have to make sure we're adjusting based on results, based on learnings, based on changing market conditions. But the key is to be able to, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, right? And that makes it a heck of a lot easier to plug in new salespeople to a team. You have a proven process. They follow the process. 
have some fun, close some deals, and the company grows. That's how it works. And as a leader who's responsible for getting those numbers on the board, those revenue numbers and those sales, how important is it for them to understand the capabilities of the individuals who are making the sales? Because I've seen some organizations where someone comes into sales, they're quite a junior person, and they often will say, oh, I'm just using this as a step up to my next opportunity. This was just a job that was available and I'm, I'm going to do it without disrespecting salespeople. And I often find that, A, they don't probably have much passion for the product. They just see it as a quick way to just earn some money, but it's not a serious career for them. So as a sales leader, any tips for those folks in terms of then making sure they've got yeah. the right people? Yeah, have them take some sort of personality assessment or emotional assessment so you can at least gauge the type of individual they are and understand what their motivations and life drivers are, you know, how they make decisions, right? Is, is the decision made for the short term? Is it based on emotion? Is it based on data and research? And you'll know from the start if a person has the capabilities to succeed in a sales role. Now, there's difference between capabilities and want and desire to succeed in that role. So you said it, if they're just using it as a stepping stone, that comes through in the interviewing process. So having sales team alignment, which is something that we also do when we're developing process and evaluating current sales organizations, having sales team alignment is super important. If your sales team is not, I like to say, kind of working or walking in lockstep with each other towards the same goal, if they don't work well with each other, if they're not bought in as a team, then there's going to be a challenge. But look, the, the folks that show themselves as not capable or not motivated to achieve and to do what we're asking them to do, we have to move on from them quickly. So the, the saying goes, hire slowly, fire fast. And I believe in that. And it's also really important for the sales leader to hold their team accountable to their responsibilities to their deliverables, weekly, monthly, quarterly. And that's really hard sometimes for sales leaders to do because they don't want to upset their team. You know, they want to be their friend first. And that's a challenge. And that's where a lot of sales leaders go wrong. Friend comes second. Leader comes first. Not manager, not boss, leader. You have to be a leader. They have to be able to follow your direction. So you have to have some vision to you if you really want to be successful as a sales leader, right? You have to have integrity. You have to be able to walk the walk, not just talk a bunch of smack. And salespeople see right through that. So it, it's a bit of a juggling match because you do have to be tough at times. You do have to have challenging conversations or tough conversations with your salespeople if they're not, you know, accountable and we do have to be empathetic because they're people just like we are, you know, and we have lives outside of business. I don't because this is what I do all day, 24 seven. I'm kidding, of course, but we have to be empathetic to, with our teams and understand what it's like to sit in their shoes, to walk in their shoes, I should say, sit in their chair, but where we shouldn't be in it to be their buddies. That's not what it's about. It's about being good, solid leaders 
They're developing their team for success. They're developing their team as individuals, as people, and show their team that there's a reward for all of this hard work. They have to see, again, a lot of it goes back to the why. And as we fast approach time, I've got a couple of final questions for you, Scott. The first is, if people wanted to know more and I guess really hone their skills, are there any resources that have inspired you that you'd like to share? Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of books that, that I like. One is called The Challenger Sale and really well written. It's authored by Matthew Dixon and Brent Adamson. I'm looking over here because I have it sitting here. That's more about sales methodology and how to win deals and how to basically challenge the buyer to think differently and challenge yourself basically to think differently, right? The other book that has been very influential on me is The Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge. And that sits over there as well. That's about process from a sales perspective, from a sales management perspective. It's really just a super book. Both have significantly influenced my philosophy when it comes to sales. Oh, fantastic. I'll try and add those to the show notes. So thank you for sharing those. For sure. And one of my favorite questions of all that I ask every episode is if I could give you any superpower to abolish something or ban something in the world of work, what might that be for you? Wow. My superpower would change lack of tenacity from salespeople. You know, I think something that I've seen over the past several years is that the, the younger generation of salespeople expect the sales to come to them and they're not willing to put in the hours that it takes to build a meaningful sales lead pipeline. And they expect things to just happen. So I would make younger salespeople more tenacious and not so easy to give up because that's what I'm seeing. Wow. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Especially because we live in this world of convenience. Everything is on demand now. Everything is on demand, but look, selling still requires someone to reach out. Selling still requires activity. You know, it it doesn't all come from inbound. It doesn't all come from advertising. You know, you do have to make an effort repeated, ongoing, day after day, if you want to be successful as a salesperson. Oh, fantastic. And Scott, if uh, folks want to get in touch with you and get to know more about the great work you're doing, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. My website, it's msalesgrowth.com. And that's a great way to reach me. Always open to getting emails, scott.moss at msalesgrowth.com. And whatever questions, I would love to, to help wherever I can. Oh, fantastic. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. And it's been a pleasure and I feel like I've got a few more ideas I need to maybe share with my sales colleagues as well. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Patty. It was wonderful to be here. It's the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please do connect with me via LinkedIn and drop me a message and let me know your favorite takeaways from the episode. Also, Don't forget to subscribe to the Superpower School newsletter so that you can be notified of all future episodes. Simply visit the website www.superpowers.school. Thank you once again.